Amen. Well, we are wrapping up today uh, our series on giving. Every every year in January, we do a little bit of talking about money. So if you're one of those people that thinks all they ever talk about in church is money, uh, you are in the right place today because all we're going to talk about today is money. <laughs> Sometimes God does it. He God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? You know, he, he knows exactly where our button is that needs to be pushed. The, the rich young ruler came to Jesus. He was trusting in his money. What did Jesus say? Go sell everything you have and come follow me. But other guys, you know, one guy was was trusting in family more than anything else. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Your your family will take care of itself. You come follow me. Another guy, you know, was probably trusting and had security in where he lived. And Jesus tells him, hey, the son of man has no place to lay his head. So it's like God, he knows exactly where our buttons are and he's not afraid to push them. In a good way. I don't mean that the way I used to push people's buttons, but in a good way. God knows where it needs. And what's amazing about the Lord is that not only does he push that button, he gives us the grace to overcome any issues we have if we're willing to cooperate with him, doesn't he? Like every, every time he gives us a test or a challenge, it's for our benefit. We, we tell that to our kids, don't we? Like, hey, this is, this is for your own good that we're doing this. And as kids, what do we do? Yeah, right. I can't wait to get out of this house. I know everything. I'm going to do it my own way. But if we stop and listen, how many of you look back and you realize, man, my parents were pretty smart. The, the, stuff, the stuff that my parents told me, it made more. <laughs> Heather's giving me the look like, yeah. <laughs> The longer you live, though, you realize, man, my parents had my best interest at heart. Now, if you came from a dysfunctional home, you may not have had that experience. And I'm sorry, but but the way uh, God looks at us is like the same context as a healthy, flourishing family relationship where it's a good father who cares about our growth and our needs. And he wants the best for us. So all the lessons that he gives us are because we need them. And, and if we're willing to cooperate, we will be better for it. Thank you, Lord. Uh, so we're finishing our talk about money. I don't know how I got on all that, but if that was for you, <laughs> praise God, bless you. Uh, we Jesus talked about money a lot more than I ever do. So we're only talking about it once a year. But why did he talk about money? Because money and how we handle it is important to God. It, it reveals something about our character. It shows something about our heart. Uh, and money is still important today because it takes real money to reach people in a real world. We we have needs. We have ministry that goes on in the church and This is a place where we give because the ministry of Jesus flows out of here. So some people are jaded about church, though, because they think it kind of works like this. If you put up the the cartoon, here's a pastor standing in the pulpit. He says, all tithers stand so I can pray God's blessings on your finances. And then the next phrase, the next uh, scene, he says, now all non-tithers stand so I can lead you in a prayer of repentance. Don't some people think that that's how church works, that, that you get special credit if you give a certain amount, if, that if you're if you're willing to be one of the big givers or you're a faithful giver, there's a special seat reserved for you. We put your name on that. We put a plaque on the back of your pew for you because you were a giver. That's not how it works, is it? And, and if you've been around New Life Fellowship for any length of time, you know we're a diverse supernatural community that helps people encounter Jesus. And part of the value of that diversity is it doesn't matter how much you have or where you came from. You matter to him and you matter to us. And that's that's part of I think that's part of the abuse that's happened in churches is the special treatment people who give more get. And, and God's looking to root some of that out of our lives, that we all need to view each other through that lens of, I see Jesus in you. And that's what matters. It doesn't matter you know, what your clothes look like. You have holes in your jeans. Uh, where, where you came from, is your house on the right or the wrong side of the tracks? Anybody ever live on the wrong side of the tracks going up? 
Maybe, maybe you didn't even know you were from the wrong side of the tracks till you got out and had more life experience. But that's not how Jesus looks at us. He looks at us and sees the value that's inside of us. So get that out of our system. And uh, what we've been talking about the last few weeks, uh, we started out talking about money basics, things that we all kind of should be on the same page about. Just just some basics about giving, the basics about money being the root of all evil and, and getting some of that out of our lives. We didn't want to take a lot of time on that. And last week we talked a lot about this concept of what does it mean to bring an acceptable gift to the Lord. And I hope you were encouraged by that. If you missed last week, you can go back and listen to it online. Uh, but we also touched on this thought about the gifts that we bring can actually move God's heart. And that as we seek to please him, part of how we please him is through what we bring to him, through the, through the giving, not just of our money, of course, but of our lives, of our time, of our resources. It just happened that we're talking about money in January. So that's what we focused on. But he really does want every part of us. He, he wants to fill our lives so completely with his life. Uh, so this week, I want to wrap up by talking about where should our focus be when we give, and we'll answer the how much question today. Does the amount matter? Everybody has their opinion and interpretation on that. So I'll, I'll tell you what I think, and then you can take that home and chew on it and decide if you agree with Pastor Chris or not. It's okay, but I'll tell you what I think about the how much question. So jumping off to it, how, where should our focus be when we give? If you were here last week, I told the story about the little girl with the plastic donuts, right? What was she looking when she gave she was looking at her dad to see how he reacted it didn't matter what the gift was what was priceless in that interaction was the reaction of the father the the person receiving the gift and how they felt about it. that's what's important so it's the same thing for us when we give our focus ought to be on the father he is the one that matters how how he reacts when we give to him is more important than even the ministry that takes place with the money we give now don't mishear me on that, okay? The, the ministry is valuable. It's important. We reach people with the good news of Jesus, with the money that flows through this place. But more important than the ministry that takes place is the interaction that happens between us and the Father. The way his heart is stirred. The way our relationship deepens with him. So that's where we want our focus to be. And uh, when we look at him, I had a couple thoughts about that. Our focus should be on him and his reaction because we really are coming and seeking to deepen our relationship with him. That's part of why we give. We want to please him. We want to have a deeper relationship. And what stirred me with that thought is I was thinking about Christmas time and some of the gifts we give to our family members. We just had Christmas, right? Don't you think we should move Christmas to like the middle of January or early February to break up the monotony of all the snow and the gray and the cold? It's like Christmas gets here too early. We're excited about the snow before Christmas because all the lights are up and it's great. But in the middle of January, the snow's like, ugh. gosh, Christmas. So I give Pam a gift. What am I watching when I give Pam a gift? I'm watching her to see her reaction because there's a deepening of our relationship that takes place when I give the gift. I'm not I'm not looking at like, oh, look what I bought you. It's green. It's lovely. And, and then if I give that to her. And all I do is watch to see what she does with it. Did I really give a gift? If I'm like, are you going to take care of that now? Come on, you know how much I spent on that. What are you going to do with that? Come on, that's not why we give a gift, is it? What would happen to me if that's the way I gave the gift? Man, you guys would be visiting me in the hospital or something. I don't, I don't know, maybe not that bad. But 
you get the idea, don't you? That's kind of a, a, a ridiculous example. But when we give a gift, we're watching to see the person we give it to, to see how do they react? Do they like it? Are they excited about it? And it deepens our relationship with one another, not the gift. When, when we come, even with the giving we do in church, you know what? I put my money in the plate. And it's it's gone. I'm not worrying necessarily about what are they doing. Like, obviously, we don't want to waste it. We want to be good stewards over it. But I'm not holding a string attached to it to say, well, you better spend that. Like, I, Pastor, I didn't like that paint color. Well, I want a refund of all my giving last year because you picked brown. You think you, we're laughing about that now, but we, we did a building campaign in, in Virginia one time and... Uh, the building that we wanted to build didn't pan out. So the pastor actually got up in the pulpit and said, everybody that gave to the building fund, I know you gave to this specific building. We, we have a plan that's different now. We, we're going to pursue that plan. But if, if this is what you had your heart set on, you can call the office and we'll give you your building fund money back. You know that there were actually a couple people that called the office yeah. and said, I want my money back. Yeah. And because we're people of integrity and good search, you know what they did? They gave them their money back. But I thought, man, was it really a gift if we're giving with a string attached to it? It ought to be. Lord, that's, who was it? It was Jack and Anson that passed the plates this morning. I hope you weren't looking at Jack and Anson while you're giving. Like, it, it really is. I'm putting this in my plate, but my eyes are fixed on you, Jesus. Lord, Lord I want this to stir your heart. This, this, I'm bringing a sacrifice. This, this gift means something to me. I want it to mean something to you. It's, it's, it's about the person receiving, and it deepens our relationship with them. So don't be so concerned about the gift. Uh, we also watch the Father because giving is an act of worship. How many of you have ever been in a church service where you've heard a pastor say that? We're, we're going to continue to worship through our giving. You know, when they call the ushers up or they say it's time for the offering, giving really is an act of worship. And ultimately, what is the most important thing when we come to worship? Is it the method of worship? Or how we do it? Or is it the object of our worship? That's why our focus has to remain on Him. Giving is an act of worship. And the object of our worship is much more important than how we come to worship. Do you know that, that Jesus' heart being moved and His presence manifesting in this place is more important than the song list? Yeah, that's right. or, or who's on the team? Or if, if I come in and I, it's too loud or too soft? or all, the, the object of our worship yeah. is much more important than the method. And that's part of when we're giving, we keep our focus on Him. And then the last thing I thought about our focus being on Him, uh, we keep our eyes on Him because giving reminds us to be like Him in that act of giving. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells this amazing story. And uh, He's talking with His disciples about when you're coming and leaving a gift at the altar. And uh, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23, He says this, So, If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. How how funny would church be if we really took those words to heart? You know, the, the ushers are standing up here. They're praying. We're all standing together. And all of a sudden, like five people... I gotta go, Pastor. I just remembered somebody has something against me. Would that be kind of awkward? But that's what, that's what Jesus was saying. If you're coming for this interaction with God to deepen your relationship with Him, to bring your gift to Him, and you remember, oh, 
I've got a relationship that's, that's not real healthy right now. Well, why did Jesus say that? Jesus was telling his disciples, there's something more important than the gift you just brought. And it's your interaction with the Father. And what's important, what's the most important to the Father is people. And if people are important to him, it's hard to come and have that communion with the Father when our relationships are messed up with people. Yeah, that was an ouch moment, wasn't it? I'm I'm waiting for amens and I actually heard an ouch. (laughs) Jesus is telling his disciples like it was that real to him. Hey, I know you raised that sheep or you, you went and got those doves or whatever the sacrifices were they were bringing. It's so important to the father that you get this right that he says, if you brought your sacrifice and you remember something's out of whack, leave it. Leave it and go deal with it right now. Jesus, Jesus was the first one to say, just do it. Come on, Nike, Nike thinks they're being original. They didn't have anything on Jesus. He, he was not one for mincing words, waiting around. Just go do it now. Don't wait around. This is, people are so important to the Father that they should be that important to us. So when we come to give, that ought to be something that's going through my mind. I want to be, oh God, I want to be like you so much. Please remind me, even, even here in this moment of worship, even in this moment of giving, this moment of communing with you, please, God, remind me if, if I've got anything out of sorts that I need to take care of. Now, we, we won't hold the service for you. you, you if you go jump in your car and, and go see Aunt Linda somewhere to, to make things right, we might be done by the time you get back. But really, if we're taking those words to heart, what ought to be the first thing you do when you get home? Man, God, God reminded me of this. this I got to call Aunt Linda. Or I got to stop there on the way home and, and talk about what's going on. And if anybody has an Aunt Linda, God's, God's really getting you like that this morning. It's so important. So our focus should be on Him because it deepens our relationship. It's an act of worship and it reminds us to be like Him, to make people our priority. So a couple of thoughts about where we should give. So that, our focus is always going to be on Him, but where, where should we give? We, we got all... I was going to say, how many of us have all this money burning a hole in our pocket? I just, Pastor, tell me where to give. I got, I got so much excess. I just want to go around and give it to everybody. It's like all those, oh, all the scams that you see on Facebook and online. If you just like this or forward it or share it or send this email, you're going to get $10,000 from, I don't even know. Please don't fall for that. Have, have some common sense. That's, it's not real. Nobody's going to send you a big check because you forwarded an email. <laughs> Gosh, I am all over the place this morning. Where should we give? Uh, the first thing is to your local church. And, I, and I'm saying your local church. If, if you are invested here, if you feel some benefit, you know, we, we could read all these verses about bring, bring things into the storehouse, that there may be food for my... If you are getting value out of what happens at New Life Fellowship, you'll give here because your heart is connected here. And, and this is the difference between being committed, being a member, being invested somewhere, and just being a visitor. You know, if, if, if you're just a guest with us, you don't have to give. You know, it, it's, it's not like you may like it, you may not like it. You may think, oh, I, I had something that I wanted to give an offering to help reach people. But really, what the reason we pass the plates are because the people that are here, that are committed, that are members, we are giving because we believe in what God's doing at New Life Fellowship. At least that's why I'm giving. I hope that's why you're giving, because there is value in the ministry that takes place here. 
And, and you, you can make the case that, that local church giving was a priority. Jesus, Jesus told his disciples, Matthew 10, when he sent them out, he said, don't take any purse or any money with you. When you enter a town, you'll find someone to stay with. Like he's implying you're doing the ministry. Somebody's going to pay the bills. Someone will house you. They will take care of you. They will provide a place for you to stay so that you can sow into the city when you go there. Paul even said it later in 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Timothy 5. Paul actually talked about sowing into people's lives who were in ministry. Like those, those are the verses we don't always read in church because they sound so self-serving. But Paul was, was making a point of give into the local church. Give into where you're being fed from. That's, thank you for that amen, Steve. I appreciate that. Then a broader context. This is like, like one and one A of where you should give. I put it up there again, your local church. And when I say that, I don't mean to us as a whole, you know, to pay the light bills, to help buy food for the food pantry. I mean to the people sitting around here. There, there should be some giving that happens in our lives to the people we're in relationship in the local church. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 says this, Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to who? Especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. We should always be looking for opportunities to bless other people around us, but especially here in the family of faith. Do you know it's, it's okay to make your needs known to people in church? Now, don't, don't get weird about it. Don't get strange. Don't, this, this, is not, you know, this is not a panhandling opportunity. Like, you know, this, this isn't the exit ramp at the end of the highway where you can come stand with your sign and, and fool everybody. But there ought to be something. If we are in relationship and committed to one another, there ought to be some place where we're comfortable enough to say, man, I'm struggling. I need some help. I wasn't prepared for this. Amen. Now, the flip side of being committed in, in relationship is somebody may say, hey, we need to give you some financial discipling. We need, let's talk about making a budget. Let's see where your money's going. What's, what's happening here that got you into this place? That doesn't happen with the panhandler on the street. You know, nobody's stopping that guy. He probably would reject it if they did. But here in the family of faith, we should be so aware of each other's needs that we're willing to help but we should also, as, as the ones that need help sometimes, be open to somebody saying, hey, let's talk about some good godly principles of how to handle your money. So we should look for others in the church, not just the church you know, as a corporate entity, but we should be giving to one another. Another place that we can give is to other ministries and charities. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 3 says this, But when you give to charity, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you should only give to your local church. In fact, that verse implies there's places where you're going to give where I don't know anything about it. Nobody else in the world might know about it. What's the rule for that? Well, if you see something that you feel this is helping people, I, I like the cause that they're doing, you, you, may, you may want to give to a homeless shelter, a soup kitchen, I don't know what it is, but if you see something that's helping people and you're stirred and moved by that, that's, it's probably not coming from the devil, stir, stirring you to give to help people. So it's probably the Lord by the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is a worthy cause, go ahead and give. There's, we, we don't have the corner on the market of all your giving has to be done at New Life Fellowship. I'm hoping new life is high on your priority list, but there are other places that it's okay to give. 
And you may want to be wise about it, too. Most most nonprofit places have reports that tell you, hey, this much is going to overhead and going to structure. the And this much actually goes to help. You may want to look into some of that. But if you feel it's a worthy cause, it's okay to give there. And don't feel I guess don't feel guilty about it. Is is God stirring us to be generous? And uh, one other thought about where we should give. Yeah, so so we're giving to the church. Thank you for that. Amen, Leo. Pap loves you so much. <laughs> besides the local church, besides other charities or ministries that are in need, we should be giving directly to the poor. There, there is something about that, that that stirs something in our heart the way that nothing else will. Luke chapter 11 is an interesting story. You know, you can... I just picked one verse, but you read the whole canon of Scripture, you can make a case that God's heart is for the poor. He always talks about being a defender of the widow, a defender of the poor. His, his heart is towards people that are in need. And Jesus is having this discussion with the Pharisees in Luke chapter 11. He's in the middle of telling them that you guys look clean on the outside. You're, you're doing all the right stuff. You've, you've, you're towing the line as far as the letter of the law, but you're not clean on the inside. You guys remember this story? Jesus makes a big deal about, hey, you wash the outside of the cup and tell everybody, look how clean it is, but inside it's filthy. What's he telling? There's greed in your heart. There's stuff on the inside that needs to be cleaned out. Jesus actually goes on in this discussion and tells them how to clean the inside of the cup. Like, you would think if you were really interested in pleasing God and wanting to know how's this working out, you'd be on the edge of your seat. Okay, Jesus, tell me what it is. And he tells them in Luke chapter 11, verse 41, he says, clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor and you will be clean all over. Our giving towards the poor, towards people in need, actually affects the condition of our conscience, actually affects how clean we feel. There's there's other translations that, that say if you give to the poor, it cleans the inside and everything will be clean for you. That's that's. That to me boggles my, that is an amazing statement to make to say, hey, if, if you want your heart to be clean on the inside, you need to be given to the poor. And, and they are out there. Jesus, Jesus even said, hey, you're always going to have the poor with you. There, there are people in need all around us. Some of them, come on, we are just talking about money today, but some people are poor in other ways than just financially. They, they, they are destitute in terms of relationship. They are poor spiritually where they, they are so far from God they don't even know which end is up. You have the riches of the kingdom in your pocket. And, and we just happen to be talking about money this morning, but I'm trying to stir us to be generous people in all aspects of our life. And there are people that are poor that need us to pour into them. Was it Thursday? Thursday was National Hug Day. It was right up Pam's alley. She, she was here at Food Pantry handing out hugs all day. Some people are so poor and starve for affection that National Hug Day means the world to them. And it's, it's something that we carry. We have the riches of the kingdom to give out and do all those things. But sometimes even dig into our pocket and give directly to the poor. But, but pastor, you know, they're, they might go spend that money on a case of beer. Were you focused on the Father when you gave the gift? Or were you watching what you gave to see what they did with it? I'm, I'm responsible for obeying the Holy Spirit and giving when He tells me to give, not for what happens to my gift after I give it. And Jesus said one of the ways that 
our conscience is cleansed and we feel good on the inside is when we give to the poor. Man, can you just imagine those Pharisees getting ticked off at him? What? I, don't you know I put already in the offering? You know, you're telling me to go get... Jesus just smiling at him. <laughs> Want to be clean on the inside? Go give to the poor. So the big question, and uh, I'm going to try to move through this so we can wrap up. How much? Who decides and how much should we give? What What is the answer there? So uh, to start even this section, how many of you are familiar with the word tithe? Man, because you all grew up in church. <laughs> People outside church, that's kind of a foreign concept. You don't hear it a lot except in church. So the word tithe, for those of you that don't know, tithe literally means 10%. That, that's what the translation of tithe is. It, it doesn't mean just the giving that we do on Sunday morning. Because I think when... when People in the world hear people in church talking about it. They think, oh, you're passing those plates, you're doing your tithing, right? Tithe literally means 10%. And it was listed among one of the gifts that the, the Israelites were commanded to give. How many of you know, uh, so, so here's this 10% number that we got floating around the church. How many of you know, on average, what percentage of people's income do they actually give away to charities or churches? Guesses? Two percent. That's the average. If you, if you go read some studies, two percent is what people give away. And it, it's interesting because we I've actually had experience with that. Only I, I would have guessed a little bit lower. Like we got somehow somebody at work brought it up one time when we were still living in Virginia. And uh, my friend Scott at work, he, he tells he's like, well, you know, I give at least 10 percent of my money away. And like two or three other people that had started this conversation, they were like, What? And like they did the math and they're like, well, I gave away like 0.7% last year. And it's like people don't have this concept of being generous. So, so here we have this number that we always float around the church, 10%. And even financial guys, like non-Christian financial advisors will tell you, live on 80%, save 10%, and look for charities, look for 10% to give away. Why is that? Because it's healthy and it, generosity does something inside of us. But you've got the whole bulk of society only giving away 2% of their income. And I don't know if this is tied into it or not, but this is a very interesting stat. There's, there's over 2,000 references in the Bible to giving and the gifts that we are supposed to give. And only 2% of them talk about tithing. Maybe there's a correlation there that because we haven't been preaching the entire scope of generosity and giving... Maybe we're, we're so stuck on tithing as an obligation that only 2% of income from people is going to giving. That's neither here nor there. Think about that. Would, would we get more results if we preach biblical generosity than just hammering people on it? You have to give 10%. When, when God only talked about 10% this, this amount of the time. So where did tithing come from? There's a lot of arguments, a lot of confusion about it. I find that most people who want to argue against tithing being for today, they want to justify not giving. Have, have you ever met somebody like that? They'll, they'll get in a whole debate with you about, well, this is why it's not for today. And it started before the old covenant, but it was under the law and Jesus got rid of the law. I find that most of those people, they just want to have an excuse not to give and feel okay about it. All right, and moving right along, because I see a couple people nodding their heads like, you've met people like that. The, the tithe started with Abraham. Before the law was given, Genesis chapter 14, he tithed to a priest named Melchizedek. 
And so, so people will say, hey, well, look, there it is. It was before the law, so that means... Well, Abraham also circumcised everybody to show that he was keeping the law. Does that still... We, we get to all these hang-ups and people... You can, I've argued this with people. You can hear all the sides of it. Uh, the Jews did it because of the law. Jesus seems to reaffirm tithing in Matthew 23 and Luke 11. He's talking with the Pharisees about, hey, you're doing a good job down to the last little dot. You give a tenth of your spices and all of your stuff. But what Jesus, what he's really doing, because he says you should have done that, but he says you've missed a bigger point. What Jesus is telling the Pharisees, not only should you give and be generous, but you forgot justice and mercy and love. And you should, you should do those things more. That's more important than even making sure, oh, did I give the, the little tenth of this last piece of spice? He was dressing them down for not having a generous heart and saying, you forgot the real important things as people that are living around us. And I, I find it very interesting that I think generosity and loving people are very closely related. That, that if, if you find somebody that's very stingy, Maybe there's something in their heart that really doesn't love people. And if you find somebody that really loves people, most often they're pretty generous. So here's the famous passage, though. So there's all that stuff on both sides of the aisle. And most people, uh, they've heard this passage if they've been in church before. Anybody ever hear a sermon from Malachi? Yeah, okay. For those of you that grew up in church, how many of you have heard it over and over again? Like Malachi chapter 3. Uh, this is the most famous passage that they used to, to try to coerce people to tithe. It says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But how, you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. So that's, that sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? That's probably one of the most frequently used verses to try to manipulate people into giving, into making sure you know we're getting our 10% out of you. And, you, and you'll hear people, they'll preach it and they'll say, you don't want to be a part of that curse, do you? You better empty those pockets, turn those pockets out, or you're going to get... Ooh. Come on, people, people use that verse to say it. And what's the reality is, this passage in Malachi ought to be one of the most liberating and motivational reasons for giving that you ever read. Why is that? Because people stop after those and they don't read the next verse. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And God says... Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. The point of tithing was so that God could pour out blessings on us. It wasn't so I have an excuse to smite you if you don't put your 10% in the plate. The point of the tithe was... I want to do this. He says, test me in this. He's, God's literally saying to them, I dare you. Come on, give and see what's going to happen when you start to give. I'm going to throw open the windows of heaven and pour out this blessing on me. And nobody, not even the accuser, can have a word to say about it because we've got to, I've got an excuse to bless you abundantly now. That, that ought to be liberal. God, I want to do that. How do I position myself to be under all these blessings? Tithing was never meant to be another bill to pay. Tithing was never meant to be protection money that you pay to the Almighty. You know, like, okay, it's, it's Sunday. Jesus is knocking on my door again. Where, where's my payment? Come on. That's, that's, that's not what it was meant to be. Tithing was meant to be, man, I want to bless you. And, and you're thinking, well, but what about that curse? Well, Galatians 3 says that Jesus became a curse for us by being hung on a tree. 
what, what did that do? Well, what happened in that transaction is Jesus took all the effects of the curse upon himself. And all that remains is, here, if you do this, you'll be blessed. This, I don't know, this, you've probably heard me say it before, or it may be new to some of you, but God is not going to smite you if you don't tithe. You're not going to be under a curse because Jesus took a curse for you. But if we don't give, we miss out on this window of blessings that he promised. I want to pour this out on you so much that you won't even be able to contain it. Because there, there is a very real biblical principle that given it will be given. Given, he'll give you more. More than you could imagine. In my personal life, we tithe, but I don't do it out of obligation. I do it because, man, I am so excited to give to what God's doing in our midst. And we've seen blessings over and over in our lives because we are faithful givers. There's, there's been times in our, in our life, this is no secret, we're not telling any dirty laundry. There's been times in our life that I have no idea how the checkbook balanced. Don't know where the money came for bills, but it was there. Because God wants to pour out, he's opened this window and he's like, here's how you access it. The New Testament standard for giving is in 2 Corinthians. And it actually comes, here is what was going on in the middle of this passage. Paul is telling the Corinthian church, you promised to give, to go support the church in Judea. And Paul says, I told everybody. He's like, I told people how generous you were and what you promised. And Paul's writing the Corinthian church to say, I'm sending these guys. And when they get there, your gift better be ready to go with them. Basically, Paul said, I don't want to be embarrassed that I told everybody you were so generous and you promised this big gift. So when they when they get there, you better have it ready to go. Isn't that isn't that crazy? It's almost like strong arming them a little bit. But it, it wasn't because he goes on. This is what Paul says in Second Corinthians nine, verse six. He says, but although I am not pressuring you to give, this is true. He who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he who sows in a beneficent, generous spirit with a view to the blessing of the recipient shall also reap blessings given in a beneficent, generous manner. So he he wasn't trying to strong arm, but he was telling him, this is what's true. The measure you give with is what you're going to get blessed with. He, He was telling him, this is a principle that works in the kingdom of God is the measure you sow out is the measure you get blessed with. We can't expect greater blessings than our level of generosity. And this is what he goes on to say. Here's, here's the crux of it. Verse 7 in 2 Corinthians 9. He says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's the answer to the how much question. Well, how much, Pastor Chris? Because the amount does matter. We talked about it in the last couple of weeks. If it matters to our heart, it'll matter to his. If it doesn't matter to us, it doesn't matter. But how much, the answer is what you've decided in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. That means I'm not going to stand up here and tell you the sob story. You know, come on, there are people that do this in, in churches or in charities or on TV. You see the commercial with the little kids. They look so sad, don't they? They've got the bloated belly and they're starving. And it's, what's it doing? It's trying to manipulate you to give. And Paul says, that's not how it works. 
You need to decide in your heart and give cheerfully because that's what stirs God, not reluctantly or under compulsion. If I have to, if the ushers have to put their, their knee in, on your back and get you on the floor to dig your wallet out, it's not doing anybody any good. Cheerful givers is what God likes. And uh, basically the, the biblical term for what should be given is a free will offering. It comes out of your heart that you want to give. And if, what's amazing, I don't have time to get into it today, but if you go back and study through the Old Testament, all the types of giving they did, about half of the giving they were directed to was mandated by the law. Said you have to give this much, which included the tithe. The other half of the giving was, hey, you have to give which, what you're feeling led to give. They were, they were free will offerings that God said, hey, I'm commanding you to give to the poor, but it's up to you how much you want to give. Doesn't that, isn't that like an oxymoron? God says, I'm commanding you to give, but it's up to you how much. But that's what he did. So you had, you had half the gifts directed by the law and half were just free will. Well, Jesus came and says he set aside the law. He nailed it to the tree, the written code that was against us. So what's left if he got rid of the gifts mandated by the law? The free will offering. He says, I want you to give. I want you to be generous. You need to do this. It's good for you, like we tell our kids. But you have to decide in your heart. And you have to do it cheerfully, because that's what stirs him. The amount matters because it shows what's in our heart. It reveals, do I, do I feel invested? Do I really feel connection with the Father? When I, the amount does matter, but it's up to us in our heart. Does that mean that He never gets any input into what we give? No. Because <laughs> I also said earlier that God knows exactly where to push our buttons. He will speak to us. He will give us prompts. Like, like we ought to be looking for, hey, I want to give. I want to be generous. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to decide what I want to give. It's a free will offering. It's up to me. But, Lord, this is all your money. Let me get you involved in this process. What are you saying? And those are the times that are challenges. Because sometimes God's prompting is loud and we, we recognize it. Like we're reading a verse and something jumps off the page. Or, or we're in the middle. This, this happened to me. I'm in a church service one time. I've told this story before, I think. We're in a church service. So this is not like, hey, I'm prayerfully considering this. I'm, you know, on my, I'm listening to the guy preach and I hear in my ear, like the same way I'm talking to you almost. I don't think it was an audible voice moment because nobody else heard it, but I knew I heard it. I'm sitting listening to this guy preach and I hear God say, put your whole check in the offering this Sunday. Excuse me? I'm looking around like, do you say that to somebody else? And I knew I had heard. And I knew it was a prompt from God. So what, what's my choice right then? Am I going to obey or am I not going to obey? And guess, guess how much else I heard from God after I heard that? Zero. Because I knew I heard. And he's waiting to see what I'm going to do. And, and I, come on, I tried to justify it. I tried to rationalize it. You know, Pam was working at the time. I'm like, God, did you mean Pam's salary that week? <laughs> or, or this nice round number, like this number, God, would that, would that be good? And I didn't hear another thing because I knew I heard the first time. And what the danger is when God prompts us like that, those things fade right. with time. You, you could justify yourself out of it. You could not do it. You're not going to hear some, something else. 
And if we don't act on that, I think that's why Jesus was a just do it, do it right now person. Because those prompts fade the longer we get away from hearing them. So even though we wrestled with this, do you know what happened when Sunday came that week? I took my whole paycheck from work and said, this is what we're going to give this week. And probably, I don't know if it scared the bejeebers out of Pam or not, but it's, it's, it, maybe she says it scared me more than her. So that's, that's what we gave that week. And that's, that's part of the miracle. I have no idea how the bills got paid. We never went in the negative, never bounced a check. You know, like It was like, because we were at that point in our marriage, like, hey, this is a big deal. Like, like we talked about gifts that matter to our heart. That mattered to my heart. <laughs> like, like I'm thinking, boy, I sure like the house we're living in and the food that's on our table. Like, it mattered. But God was so faithful that nothing ever went without. Like, I, like, like that was still the girls were living at home. Like, they didn't even know, like, hey, Dad just gave away our money for food next week. God. No, because I had heard, and God showed that he was faithful. I, I want to bless you and continue to provide and pour this out. So, so it is the New Testament standard for how much is what you decide in your heart. But we always need to be listening. God, what's, what input are you giving on this? Is, is there something that you'd like me to give towards? Is there more that I could do? Is God, I think sometimes we don't ask because we're afraid. Like, God, will you give me an amount? Like, we're afraid he'll actually answer us, and then we'll try to rationalize it away. Like, oh, that was, that was funny. I just didn't mean that, God. I'll just keep writing the check I was writing for something else. What I, what I want us to think about, like, this year, how much should I give this year? What, what should I give? When you're thinking about New Life Fellowship, when you're thinking about charities, what, how much should I give? It's what you've decided in your heart. With input from the Holy Spirit, but it's what you've decided in your heart, and when you give it, it needs to be cheerfully, not reluctantly or under compulsion. But God, I'm so excited that I get to partner with you in reaching the world. Here's here's my gift, Lord, and with our eyes on Him. It's, it's me. It's your son. It's Chris. I'm giving this this week. That's what He's looking for. It's not a it's not a bill to pay. It's not a duty. It's not an obligation. It's, it's what we've decided in our heart to give, and it stirs him. Now, if you've, if you've been at a place in your life where you've never tied before, I challenge you. Take a step out this year. Look for, but if, if you're not at a place, because some people, like, hey, giving is new to me. I never worked that into my budget. Some people are just at a point, I can't give 10% yet. Take a step towards it. But don't live under this cloud of fear and judgment like, Oh, I just heard the tithing sermon this year. If I don't give, I'm going to be cursed this year. My, my cattle aren't going to have healthy babies. Like, Come on. Just take a step. He says, test me in this. Like, I dare you. See if, see if I'm not a God of my word, that I'll take care. I got this covered. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that answered the how much question for you. Some of you are like, man... I just want him to tell me. Just, just tell me the number, Pastor. You mean I got to go talk to God and get His input and maybe actually take a yes. I'm, I'm the answer is what you've decided in your heart to give. You guys okay with that? Um, amen. Everybody's nodding. Nobody, nobody looks too angry at me, so that's good. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm going to ask God to just bless our finances this year, even as we wrestle with how much where to give, what to give. I'm just going to ask him to pour out on our lives.
that we would have testimonies where we could stand up in front of other people and say, you know what? God really is a God of his word. He really does this. When, when I was faithful, when I obeyed, he moved in this way. And it's a test like like that story. That story I shared is not to brag on us. It's to brag on God because he is faithful. Every time he's never let us down. God, I ask for the people standing in this room right now that you would stir our faith to give, stir us to be generous people. God, show us opportunities to give even where we may have looked past them before. Help us not to be ones that close our ears to the poor. Help us to be ones that are willing to bear one another's burdens, to look for the needs that are right here in the family of faith. And God, I ask, as, as we take this journey with you, as we take this step of faith to, to give even beyond maybe where we're comfortable with, God, I ask that you would meet every one of us in that place. You would do something in our heart that we would know, man, my cup's not just clean on the outside. I really I feel it. It's clean on the inside. God, meet us in such a way that we would know your faithfulness, that we would have testimonies that no one can ever take away from us because we obeyed and saw your goodness. God, bless the things that we put our hands to. God, the places where we sow into your kingdom, let us see a great harvest, Lord God. God, we honor you with all that we have our money, our time, our resources, the abilities that we have, we honor you with them, Lord. Increase the things that you've poured into our lives as we use them for the sake of your glory. God, bless us as we go from this place today. Let your goodness continue to be seen in our lives. Let your faithfulness and your mercy abound to us, Lord God. Let the presence that we feel When we worship you, let that presence go all around us. Everyone that we meet, everyone that we interact with, Lord, let there be something different about our lives because we carry you with us. We bless you and we honor you this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.